Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans. This is episode six of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I am your host, John Chick. Rangers, it is Monday morning. Rangers coming off of a tough performance against the Boston Bruins at the Garden. They drop a 7-4 decision. Just one of those games where basically nothing goes right. There was never really a point in this game where it felt like the Rangers were in control, that the Rangers were having the better of play, that the Rangers were enjoying a sustained push. You know, I know they scored first, and they even took that one nothing lead into the first intermission, but even then, the rink was kind of tilted. Most of the action was on New York's side of the ice, and Boston at that point was, and really all throughout the night, creating far more scoring opportunities than the Rangers were. Rangers coming into this one caught a bit of a break as well because Boston is on the second game of a back-to-back. They used Tuka Rask in net the night before against the St. Louis Blues, a rematch of the Stanley Cup Finals from last year. Rask was outstanding in that game. He posted a 26-save shutout, and the Bruins topped the Blues 3 to nothing in that one. But what that did was it basically took Rask out of the equation for tonight's game against the Rangers. We all knew that the, the Bruins were going to go with Yaroslav Halak. Halak's been, you know, decent since he's been on the Bruins. He kind of stepped into the starting lineup for a good chunk of last season and played pretty well. Obviously, you know, pretty pretty significant drop-off from Rask to Halak. So if you're a Ranger fan, you know, you'll take your chances facing Halak in the Garden. The Rangers did score four goals against Halak, but really two of them coming in garbage time at, at the end of the third period there when the game was out of hand. And really, the big theme in this game is the Rangers just had absolutely no answer for Boston's top line. Obviously, those guys have been playing together forever, but you, you can't let any line take over the game like this. But Patrice Bergeron ends up with a hat trick. He scores three times. Brad Marchand with a five-point night, two goals, three assists. And David Pasternak dishing out five assists. So Rangers really, really struggling against that line. Just no answers whatsoever. So now just to kind of go through this game period by period here, it starts with what else? The Rangers take a penalty. This has really been an early season epidemic for this team, just taking far too many penalties early in games. It just makes it really hard to kind of take control of the game, especially when you're on home ice. You want to get that that early game push, kind of feed off of the home crowd, but it's hard to do that when you're constantly playing a man down. And it wasn't really overall, they didn't take too many penalties tonight. The Bruins only get two power plays, but... Again, they're just taking too many penalties early in games. It makes it really hard to kind of put your best foot forward when the game starts. Because even if you kill off the power play, you're still a man down. You're probably, if you're a man down, you're probably not creating too many scoring chances. And you're letting your opponent kind of set up shop in your end of the ice. And even if they don't score, they kind of get a little bit of a rhythm there. And the Rangers do kill this one off, fortunately, so the game is still scoreless. And Lundqvist made a couple of nice saves on this power play. There was an instance where the Bruins were kind of charging into the zone. Tory Krug sends a lead pass up to Brett Ritchie, who kind of gets in behind the defense there. But Lundqvist, right on the doorstep, makes a great point-blank save, steers the puck aside. His second big save on the power play, still scoreless to that point. Shortly thereafter, the Rangers get their first power play of the game. Tony D'Angelo has been moved up to the top power play unit. I don't see this as a demotion for Jacob Truba. You know, after all, he still is on the second power play unit. I think it's just a case of Coach Quinn kind of wanting to go with the hot hand. And right now, that's D'Angelo. We've talked about how D'Angelo is off to a great start of the season, really playing the best hockey of his young NHL career so far. I'm not sure I would have made this move. And I know D'Angelo ends up with two assists tonight, and that's great and everything. And it's great to see him continue to start hot this season. But... In the offseason, you trade for Jacob Truba, right? You got him for this role. You got him to be basically the quarterback of the power play, to run point, to set guys up, and he's done that. He came into tonight with five assists, one goal. He's played very well for the Rangers. 
And now you have D'Angelo, who, again, you know, he's been uneven throughout his NHL career so far. Obviously, he's still young. He's still kind of putting it all together. But Truba is in town for this very purpose, to man the power play. And you take D'Angelo, who finally is starting to take off just a little bit. And you're kind of putting a little bit more on his plate right now. And I'm just not sure I would have done that. It seems like a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction. Again, it's not going to, you know, switching Truba and D'Angelo from one power play unit to the other is not going to doom this team. I get that. I don't know that this is a move that I would have made just because both guys have been playing well in the roles that they've been given. And, you know, just leave well enough alone. So anyway, as for this power play, Rangers kind of set up shop in the first minute on Boston's side of the ice. They they maintain possession, but Boston doing a pretty good job on the penalty kill of kind of keeping everything to the outside, not really letting the Rangers get any really quality chances. And eventually Panarin kind of fanned on a pass and Boston's able to clear. And then Patrice Bergeron ends up getting control of the puck and he kind of basically just skated in circles, just kind of played keep away for a while there. And that was that Rangers 0 for 1 on the power play. So we're about midway through the first period, and really the fact that the Rangers are still scoreless with the Bruins, they they have Henrik Lundqvist to thank for that. He made a great kick stop on Brad Marchand, who was going in alone, kicked out his right pad to make a great save, steers the puck away. But Rangers just under constant fire for the first 10 minutes of this game. And if you would have told me at this point that the Rangers could go into the locker room scoreless, I probably would have taken it, let alone being up one nothing as they were. Because Rangers just completely back on their heels, unable to get anything going on Boston's end of the ice. The Rangers in this one do not get their first shot on goal until almost 10 minutes have eclipsed, but they do make it count because there's a neutral zone faceoff. Michael Haley immediately checks Sean Corelli to the ice, and that leads to the Rangers taking the puck into the Bruins zone, and Brendan Smith takes a shot from the blue line, saved by Halak, but Michael Haley, dressing for just the fourth time this season, gets to the rebound, stuffs at home, Rangers lead 1-0 just past the midway point of the first period. Leas Anderson also picking up an assist on the play, his first point of the season, Haley was only dressed in this one because Jesper Foss missed this game due to personal reasons. We don't have really any other information on that at this time, but we'll keep an up we'll keep an eye on it. We'll update you if we see something before this episode concludes. A couple minutes later, Brad Marchand carries the puck into the Rangers zone and he's met by Liber Hayek. He sends him to the ice with a really solid hip check there. Sends him flat on his back, and Marchand takes a penalty just a few seconds after that. So the Rangers get on the power play for the second time. They get a great scoring opportunity. Jacob Truba shoots from the blue line through traffic. It gets through Halak, but the puck just dies there right before it can get to the goal line and and ultimately cross the goal line. And the Rangers, the puck's just laying there. The Rangers can't quite get to it in time to stuff at home. Would have been big there because at that point, you know, if the Rangers put that one home, it's 2-0. Maybe they, they start to take control of the game a little bit. And, you know, even though Boston to this point has had the better of play, it still would have been a two-goal lead for the Rangers. Unfortunately, just couldn't quite get to that rebound, couldn't quite stuff at home, and it remains one nothing to that point. Rangers get another great opportunity on that power play. Zibanejad kind of powers his way to the net, skates across the top of the goal crease, brings the puck to his backhand, and tries to put it home. But Halak, you know, kind of stretches out, makes a tough save on the doorstep, keeps the score at one nothing. A couple minutes later, Bergeron almost decapitates Zibanejad along the boards. It was almost kind of like a crackback block that you would see in the NFL where the play is going one way and somebody suddenly just stops and throws their weight backward into somebody. Big hit. Um... Could have been a penalty. I can't go crazy on this one. We've seen it called. We've seen it not called. But Zabanajad, the interesting thing here was, you know, he was a little bit shaken up at the play. He leaves the ice. He actually came back later for the last couple seconds of the first period, but then he didn't return after that. And the Rangers had a report, you know, coming into the second period that he indeed would not return for the rest of the game. They're calling it an upper body injury. We'll keep an eye on that. Obviously, if Zabanajad is forced to miss any time, it's going to be significant because 
The Rangers, they don't, I mean, first of all, Zibanejad's a great leader out there. You know, he's one of the alternate captains. He could be in the line to be the Rangers captain somewhere down the road. It is possible. But as far as scoring goes, you know, they're going to take a huge hit there because Zibanejad has been manning. He's been the center of the top line for the entire season. The Rangers, as we've talked about, they don't have a ton of depth scoring on this team, or it doesn't look like they do anyway, unless guys, you know, start to really develop. But Zibanejad, along with Panarin, probably the two most skilled players on this team. The Rangers can ill afford to lose Mika Zibanejad for any significant amount of time. It's really going to, and you could even see it in this game. You know, there were just a lot fewer scoring opportunities than maybe there would have been had Zibanejad been on the ice. Just a really tough loss for the Rangers. We'll keep an eye on it, and we'll just hope that Zibanejad's feeling better and, and does not miss hopefully any time, and if he does have to miss a game or two, hopefully it's just that. It's just a game or two. We get him back out there. We get him rolling on that top line again. Bruins in the last couple minutes of the first period really keeping the puck on the Rangers' end of the ice. Rangers kind of bend but don't break. They're back on their heels a little bit, but they do get a couple of clear, clears to the neutral zone when they really needed to. And time runs out. Rangers going to the break, leading one nothing. And like I said, even though the Rangers had the lead at this point, didn't really have a great feeling about this one because it just seemed like the Bruins had the better of play. They just spent far more time on the Rangers' side of the ice. They looked dangerous. That top line was was really starting to set up shop. It was kind of a, a preview of what was to come in the second period here. Bruins creating scoring chances, really dominating the first 10 minutes of this game before Haley's goal. As we said, you know, it took the Rangers more than 10 minutes to even get their first shot on ice. And really, Lundqvist ends up getting pulled in this game, but he was really the difference maker here in this first period. He made a lot of really tough saves kept the Bruins off the scoreboard, and like I said, one nothing Rangers heading into the break. So now we move into the second period, and this second period was a freaking disaster. Sometimes you just got to call it like it is. One of the worst periods the Rangers have played all season, really. You have to tip your cap a little bit to the Bruins. Obviously, they're the ones out there creating scoring chances, and that top line is, is extraordinarily talented. It's one of the best lines in the NHL. But yeah, I mean, the, the Rangers just, they they just were completely flat-out dominated in this second period. Less than two minutes, we'll, we'll break this down in greater detail in just a second, but less than two minutes into the second period, the Bruins have scored twice and gotten a power play. That's not how you want to start any period, much less against, you know, a talented team like like this Bruins squad. And, you know, like I said, Rangers, just, just no answer for the Bruins in the second period at all. And this second period got bad in about 11 seconds because that's how long it took for the Bruins to score. Puck drops on the opening faceoff. Pasternak drives hard to the net. The ref raises his arm, signaling a penalty. Pasternak trips over a sliding defenseman on the way to the net, and Pasternak goes airborne and crashes into Lundqvist, and then Bergeron is there to clean up the rebound and put the puck home. The whistle definitely blew. It was tough to sort of decipher exactly when it happened, but it looked like it probably did blow after the puck was put into the net. Bergeron is credited with a goal. The ref gets on the microphone. We didn't know what the call was initially. The ref gets on the microphone and he says the initial call on the ice is a goal. They do review it to determine when the whistle sounded. And they determine that it's a good goal. Lundqvist is furious at this point. I mean, you can understand why. You know, he, he gets smashed into on this play and nothing was called. No penalty on the Bruins. It could have been called. You know, they do tend to protect goalies in this league. But the reason I think that no penalty was called was, you know, again, Pasternak kind of tripped over a defenseman coming in, and there wasn't really much he could do once he was airborne. I guess that's how the refs saw it. And, you know, there was some deliberation. Now, could the Rangers challenge this play, you know, and and argue that Lundqvist has interfered with? And they could have, but you rarely see this call overturned. It probably would have just been a waste of a challenge. And, you know, Coach Quinn opting not to challenge at that point. And, you know, just like that, it's one-to-one. 
Less than a minute later, the Bruins work the puck into the Rangers zone again. Pasternak kind of carries the puck along the boards, veers in. He plays the puck in deep to Marshan. Marshan has the puck on the doorstep. He makes a couple quick moves right there, beats Lundqvist. Bruins up 2-1, to one, and at this point, Bruins on top for good. And then just shortly after that, we're only two minutes into the, less than two minutes into the period at this point. Bear that in mind. Bruins have already scored twice, and now Capo Caco takes a high-sticking penalty to put the Bruins on the power play. And almost immediately after the power play starts, Patrice Bergeron hits the post, just misses making it 3-1. to one, But the Rangers, other than that, I thought looked pretty good on this penalty kill. They at least kind of hold the Bruins where they're at. It's still just 2-1 to one at that point. And really, you know, that Bruins top line of Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasternak, just really difficult to contain. I don't know how you're supposed to keep these guys off the score sheet for 60 minutes. They just look dangerous every time they're on the ice. Rangers, again, they just didn't have any answers tonight. And it really didn't help that Jesper Faust missed this game due to personal reasons. He was slated to move back onto the top line alongside Zabanajad and Kreider. They end up going with Capo Caco on the top line. I think the reason for this is obviously that Bruins top line is very dangerous, very experienced, and you're not looking to throw the 18-year-old out there against them, you know, when he's just getting started in his NHL career. But unfortunately, Foss, as we said, missed this game due to personal reasons. No real reason given other than that. They've kind of kept it kind of vague. We'll keep an eye on that as well. You hope everything's okay there. But yeah, uh, obviously, Kako drawing a tough assignment going up against, you know, those three forwards there. Cole minutes later, Zdeno Chara takes a couple shots from the blue line through traffic. Nothing doing on those, but the Bruins are able to maintain possession. McAvoy carries the puck around behind the net. He sweeps in front, and he sends a pass kind of through a sea of bodies there, but he, he somehow gets it to Charlie Coyle in deep, and Coyle goes top shelf. He really shot the puck from a tough angle there, but it didn't matter. You know, he converted, and just like that, you know, 3-1 to one Bruins. Less than a minute later, the puck goes in behind the Ranger net, and we get a little dust stuff. Lundqvist is right in the middle of it. In fact, he actually kind of initiated this. Pasternak was coming in, and I guess Lundqvist didn't forget about what happened earlier. Lundqvist really kind of threw his shoulder right into Pasternak. Lundqvist, at this point, has has been kind of—he's been mad, you know, ever since Boston's first goal. He didn't like the way that went down. He felt there should have been interference called, and certainly you can make the case that that was interference when Pasternak crashed into him earlier in the period. But yeah, you know, we get a play stoppage as a result of this little get-together behind the net there, and uh, Lundqvist takes a two-minute penalty for roughing, as does Brad Marchand. Pavel Buchnevich serves the penalty for the Rangers. The team skate 4-on-4. Four four. Rangers get a great opportunity during the 4-on-4. Four four. Panarin steals the puck in Boston's zone, and he makes a pass in deep to Brady Shea. Shea's got a chance to shoot the puck here, but instead he tries to send a return pass back to Panarin, and Shea just missed badly on this passing attempt. Rangers passing on too many shots tonight, I think. You know, that was kind of a theme throughout, certainly the first two periods here. There were times where it seemed like guys, you know, had a good opportunity to take a shot and just not pulling the trigger for whatever reason or trying to make one extra move or trying to make one extra pass. Could just be a case of guys kind of being unselfish to a fault. But, yeah, there were a couple times where I just, you know, scoring opportunities have been so far, few and far between to this point. When you get one, just fire the puck at the net. So yeah, the Rangers miss out on that scoring opportunity, and unfortunately, Boston does not miss out on its next scoring opportunity. About 7.51 left in the second period, Charlie Coyle circles around behind the net with the puck. This kind of looked like a replay of the earlier goal, the one that Coyle scored, but instead, this time he's playing the role of facilitator. He circles behind the Ranger net. He passes across to Brad Marchand, who had just left the penalty box, and Marchand scores from the slot to make it 4-1. to one. Coach Quinn calls a timeout, really gives his guys an earful at this point. Now, look, Boston's a great team, obviously, in the Stanley Cup final last year, one win away from, from winning the Cup. 
looking like one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference so far this year. But you just can't give this top line as many opportunities as the Rangers allowed them to have tonight. You know, Boston's top line, these guys are kind of just doing whatever they want. And, you know, I realize it's a very talented line, but at some point you just kind of have to dig in and, and just get in their face and just find a way to stop this. Because every time the Bruins' top line was on the ice, it looked like they were going to score. And, you know, you just can't you can't give them that many opportunities or they're, they're going to make you pay for it. It's as simple as that. After the timeout, the Rangers do come back strong on the very next shift. They drive hard into the Bruins' zone. They're, you know, maintaining possession back there, and Brendan Lemieux draws a penalty. He's got the puck behind the Boston net, and he draws a tripping penalty against Zdeno Chara. Unfortunately, not a good power play at all, and it wasn't until about 30 seconds or so were remaining on this man advantage that the Rangers kind of set up shop a little bit in Boston's side of the ice, but no quality scoring opportunities to speak of. Time runs out on the power play. Time runs out in the second period. The Rangers go into the breakdown 4-1, and like we said, you know, just, just a disaster of a second period here. It really can't go much worse than this. This whole second period, you know, the whole game, really, the Rangers just really struggling without Mika Zibanejad and Jesper Foss, two of their better players, and there was really never a point in the second period where you thought the Rangers were going to score, and the Bruins' stars were out, and they just took complete control. They score four unanswered goals. What else is there to say about this second period? It was a complete disaster from buzzer to buzzer. So we move into the third period, and Alex Georgiev subs in for Henrik Lundqvist. Just not Henrik's night, you know. I, I wouldn't even say that any of the goals, any of the four goals he gave up were necessarily soft goals. But as we discussed, you know, Boston's top line really just taking over this game, really just kind of having their way with the Rangers. And unfortunately, Lundqvist, he didn't—it wasn't like a disastrous outing for him, but it was probably just time to make this change. The first period, Lundqvist actually was very good. He made a couple of really nice saves, a couple while the Rangers were shorthanded. Kept the Bruins off the scoreboard for the first period. You know, as we said, the dam just kind of broke in the second period there. And just not the Rangers' night, not Henrik's night. And as a result, you know, Lundqvist watches the third period from the bench. Georgiev takes over. And just 43 seconds into the third period, Chara takes a slap shot from the blue line and scores. Georgiev, it looked like Georgiev might have been partially screened on this play by Coyle. But regardless, the third period, not starting any better for the Rangers than the second period. Rangers not catching any breaks either because just a couple minutes after this, D'Angelo passes across the blue line to Brady Shea, and Shea rings a shot off the post. About 16 minutes left in the game, the Rangers get another chance when Pavel Buchnevich steals the puck from Brad Marchand in the attacking zone. He goes in uncontested. He's behind the defense, and he just completely misses the net from in deep. You got to hit the net there, man. I mean, listen, it's I'm not going to... I'm not going to kill Buchnevich for, for one missed scoring opportunity, but it's one of those nights you're struggling to get scoring opportunities. You've created one all on your own there by but just by stealing the puck, and you got to at least put that puck on the net. I know he's probably trying to be fine with it, try to try to you know hit one of the corners, but Buchnevich just misses the scoring opportunity, still 5-1 Bruins. Rangers, you know, playing a little bit better in the third period, and they do get one back. Panarin stays very patient with the puck. Looked like he was thinking about shooting, but instead he passes to the opposite faceoff circle to D'Angelo. D'Angelo immediately dishes in deep to Buchnevich. Buchnevich lights the lamp for the second time this season, and the deficit is cut to 5-2, to two, a little bit less than 12 minutes remaining. Boston makes it 6-2 when Bergeron scores with 8.21 remaining. Rangers get one last power play. It's 6-2 at this point. Rangers get one last power play with 2.08 left in the game. Takes them just nine seconds to convert. The Rangers finally make good on one of their power plays. D'Angelo on the play takes a shot from the blue line. Halak makes the save, but Kreider is right there in front of the net. He finds the rebound. He puts it home. It's 6-3. to 
So the Rangers go just one for five on the power play on the evening. 21 seconds later, however, they score again. It's nice to see them continuing to fight even when it seems like all is lost. And, you know, I guess if you want to take the silverest of silver linings from this game and, and from this, you know, second and third period here, it's that, you know, the Rangers, they kept fighting. They kept trying to create scoring opportunities despite, you know, basically getting run out of their own building. But, you know, fighting all the way to the end here. Strom takes a shot from the point. It is stopped by Halak, but the rebound goes right to Brady Shea. Shea had kind of pinched in there from the left point, and nobody really picked him up. He was all by himself there, and he just had to tap it home. That's exactly what he does. So now it's 6-4 to four with 138 remaining, two goals in 21 seconds. And I suppose at this point you could say there's a glimmer of hope here, right? Because 138, that is enough time to score two goals. And the Rangers, in fact, in a position here where they're able to pull their goalie, and that's exactly what they do. They pull Georgiev. They get control of the puck initially off the opening faceoff. They're in Boston's zone, but eventually Bruins get the puck out. Bergeron scores on the empty net for the hat trick, and that makes it 7-4 to four with 44 seconds remaining. And that was indeed the final score. Just a tough night for the Rangers, really. I mean, 7-4 probably makes it look closer than it really was. And again, you know, it's great to see the Rangers fight hard until the end here and score a couple of late goals, but really it was garbage time. And I think really one of the most disappointing aspects to this loss is just the fact that the Rangers were coming off of what I thought was far and away their best performance of the season. They had just posted a 6-2 win against the Buffalo Sabres, and the Sabres have been white hot to start the year. You were hopeful the Rangers could kind of carry that momentum into this game. And, you know, again, if, if the Rangers had, had beaten Boston tonight, it's two wins in a row over two very good teams, but it just wasn't meant to be tonight. You do have to tip your cap a little bit to the Bruins. I mean, I thought they played a great game. That that first line of theirs was on fire, as we discussed. Also, the Rangers, you know, you got to keep in mind they were missing two of their best players. Well, I mean, Zibanejad played the first period, but that was it. He leaves with an upper body injury. And then, of course, Jesper Fast was scratched due to personal reasons. We hope everything is okay there. But you take those two guys off the ice, you're going up against a great team to begin with. That's not going to do you any favors. It didn't do the Rangers any favors in this game. And they came up short against a great team. I mean, what else is there to say? And just to provide a quick update on both of those guys, it looks like Mika Zibanejad has avoided a major injury, so whew, us Ranger fans can all let out a collective sigh of relief upon hearing that news. Coach Quinn calling him day-to-day, -day, so, you know, it seems like it's possible he could miss the game against Tampa Bay, but maybe not. Maybe he's back out there, and that would be great, um, you know, inject the Rangers with a little bit. A little bit of a, of a spark there as they try to get the ball rolling again against a, a very good Tampa Bay team. And as for Foss, he's still being called day-to-day. -day. Coach Quinn saying that he's unsure if Foss will suit up for the game against Tampa Bay on Tuesday. Kind of still a mystery as to what's going on there. I mean, you know, it's it might be it might be personal, it might be private, so that's fine. You know, it's cool. He's missing these games, but, you know, we just obviously hope everything's okay there. And if, if the news does come out, you know, hopefully it's just a thing where, you know, he's dealing with something minor and everything's, everything's all right and he can come back and, and help the Rangers sooner rather than later. So we'll see if he's back in the lineup on Tuesday against the Lightning. As we said, you know, he was looking like he was penciled in for to start on the top line there alongside Zibanejad and Kreider against the Bruins. Rangers, you know, he's a very important player for them. He can kind of he can kind of move up and down the lineup. Gritty player, he kind of brings he kind of brings that scrappiness to every every game that he plays in and obviously we'll look forward to having him back in the lineup. So that's going to wrap things up for episode 6 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. Come back tomorrow. We're going to preview the game against Tampa Bay, and we're also going to, as promised, get into the AHL a little bit, talk a little bit about what's going on with the Hartford Wolfpack, who's off to a good start, who could be in line for a call-up, who could help the Rangers upon being called up. We're going to take a look at all that. We'll find some other things to get into. 
Also, in the near future, going to look to get a couple of guests on this show for you guys. If you have a question for the Locked On New York Rangers podcast, go ahead and send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Another option, as always, is Twitter. You can find us on there, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. We're back here tomorrow with a brand new episode talking about the matchup against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Until then, have a great day. Talk to you guys soon. And we'll see you next time.